0: I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And welcome to Women Over 70, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Members enjoy
1: monthly programming and probing discussions.
0: We hope to see you there.
1: And we're delighted today to be in conversation with Julie Iverson as an advocate for women aging. Julie is passionate about helping people and their families navigate the challenges and transitions of aging and dying. As a certified geriatric care manager, Julie started her company, Aging with Care, in 2007. She added end-of-life care to her practice when she became certified as an end-of-life doula in 2020. Doulas are also known as death doula or midwife doula. And Julie sees herself as an end of life ally, offering unique and valuable services among other end of life options. So welcome Julie to Women Over 70. We're really happy to have you with us today.
2: Thank you, I'm so happy to be here with you.
1: So let's um, maybe to have you start by giving us some background or context around uh, about this field of end of life and and especially what's the um what's the purpose or the what what what, what does an end of life doula do
2: yeah. and an end of life doula um also known as a death doula or death midwife is a relatively new yet ancient offering of support guidance and education to dying people and their families and loved ones i provide non medical Holistic and non-judgmental support and guidance to the to the dying person and their family. Um, and I like to tell my families that dying is not a medical experience; dying is a human experience. And so we need to kind of uh, educate people on what the options are, because mm-hmm. most people don't know that they do have options at the end of their lives.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh-huh.
1: And um, so are you, are there credentials for being an end of life doula? Can anybody Come in and provide that that service?
2: Anybody can be an end of life doula. There's not any national or, or state credentialing like there is for nurses and social workers and that sort of thing. But there is a credentialing process through the National End of Life Doula Association and the International, INALDA International um, End of Life Doula Association um, that just shows that you have gone through the training and. You know, take this seriously that you are going to be journeying with people on this end of life experience. And you have, so anybody can do it. Mm. I have done that, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Through the training, we learned about different end of life processes for different illnesses and diseases. So that was really helpful. So I can, you know, when people are going through the end of life process, they generally don't know what to expect. And they don't know, is this normal, it, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening here?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I've been trained on different things that might be happening. And everybody lives and dies differently, so it's very different.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and end-of-life doulas, we each have our, our kind of specialties. Um, I have been a geriatric care manager for a long time, so that is an area that I am more comfortable in with providing management Um of the process. And I act as a liaison between healthcare providers and the families and hospices. Um, Mm -hmm. Many doulas have not had this kind of background, but they have other specialties, like massage therapy, Mm -hmm. video production, things like that. So whatever a family needs, we have a network that we can call in our friends and colleagues to
1: help with. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So can you say a little bit more about being a geriatric care manager? what what is
2: that involved yes. that is um usually a family will call me when they're having you know mom keeps falling down in her house or i went to my mom's house and she doesn't seem to be taking as good of care of herself as she used to and so i'll come in and i'll do a, a thorough assessment of the situation and find out you know does she want to stay at home and can she stay at home safely if the person's gonna stay at home, I can help the family find a good caregiver, always through an agency because agency caregivers are licensed, bonded and insured and it helps protect the family. Um, and then if the person can no longer stay in their home, I help them find a, a an appropriate place to move to and mm-hmm. sometimes follow them to different places if it you know, doesn't work out there. Um, usually I start working with somebody when they're in their
3: home. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, I found out about end-of-life doulas. And I, and I thought, well, I need to know about that because I'll yeah. be able to support my families um, better at this end-of-life process. Mm-hmm. So many times I'm working with somebody that's toward the end of their life anyway. And so when I heard about end-of-life doulas, I just, wow, that's,
0: I need to know more. Is that a relatively new profession? End of life doulas. It is a relatively new,
2: yet ancient. It's been going on forever. We've been taking Mm -hmm. care of our dying and dead forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's new. The same as like a care manager is ancient and new. We've been doing this for a long time, but now it's more structured and.
0: Yeah
1: becoming more professionalized than more more of a profession. Yes. Right?
3: yes. Yeah.
1: Um, so just to tell us, situate this within the uh, context of other end of life care, like palliative care, hospice, how does end of life doula fit in? Um,
2: I truly could not do my job without hospice. I often am the one that's talking to the families as somebody's coming you know, things are getting more difficult, more challenging. And I'll say, you know, this might be a good time for us to have a hospice evaluation because hospice is the medical part and I'm not medical. And so, and hospice is structured by Medicare and it's a fabulous, fabulous service, but because it's a, a Medicare kind of structure, they're limited on the amount of time they can spend with a client the patient they call them patients I call them clients mm-hmm. um, so a nurse will come in once a week twice a week for maybe an hour a CNA will usually come in three times a week and help with bathing and that sort of thing but the rest of the time there's nobody there and it's just mm-hmm. on the family so that can be mm-hmm. really hard um, so I work very closely with hospice and then when hospice comes in I work with hospice on setting up a schedule, because, but the you know hospice sets up their own schedule, and it can be challenging then for the family because they don't know when somebody's going to come in.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: it it gets it gets challenging. Um, hospice is on a time limit, and end of life is twenty four seven. So I'm there to help the other aspects of it you know maybe the family needs to go out and do something you know maybe the dog needs care you know I will arrange for a pet sitter to come in and take care of the dog
3: mm-hmm.
2: I'll make sure that food is is coming into the house um, I'll make sure that the family understands what the hospice nurse said because there's a lot of information mm-hmm. and it it can be a very intense emotional and difficult time for families and it's a lot of information to take in so I can be there kind of reinforce what the hospice nurse has been saying. Mm-hmm.
1: And, are there yeah. times and
2: I also... When you- go ahead. Oh, and I also talk to the doctors that are involved too, because when you start hospice, you still have a, your doctor if you want. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: I can ca- kind of coordinate those things because the doctor might be saying to the family, I think we should do this, but the hospice is saying, well, no, we don't want to do that. And so it gets... Mm-hmm. Tense for families, Mm -hmm. nerve wracking.
1: Yes. Are there times when you are actually spending hours and hours with the with the your client or the family?
2: Yes, I am. Um, Because sometimes one of the things I do when I start working with an individual is say, you know, when you're getting to the end of life, who do you want with you? Who do you not want with you? Which is a very important one because. Sometimes, you know, there's somebody in the family that they really don't want around, but they might need to have somebody with them for certain things. So I will be there. I will sit vigil um, with somebody at the end. So a lot of times people say, I don't want my family to be here. I don't want them to remember me like this.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. I can be there as that kind of buffer. And I ask people, you know, before they get to the, the very end of life where they're actively dying, what, what kind of environment do you want to be in? Do you want flowers? Do you want incense? Do you want music? What do you want going on around you? Do you want your dog on your bed?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you just want to be left alone? Do you want you know, just privacy? And I'll, I always remember one guy, I said, you know do, would you like to have flowers around? Do you like to have flowers? And he said, only, only if they're planted flowers. Why would somebody bring dying things into my room while I'm dying? Oh, but he did not want he did not want bouquets of flowers. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <That's>,
2: And one <laughs> one guy just wanted the um uh, like a church channel on the TV, twenty four seven. You know what? You know I provide non non judgmental
1: service and support. Mm-hmm. So I you know, whatever somebody wants. Mm-hmm. Those are not necessarily questions that the family might think to ask either or to, right. to consider.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, because they're like so stressed out. Their loved one is dying and all they care mm-hmm. about is like, what are we going to do when he's gone. And it's,
0: mm-hmm. it's, what, what made you go into yeah. this field, Julie?
2: You know, just as a care manager, I my clients have always passed. And then when I heard about this end of life doula, I thought, well, that's this is going to be an amazing thing that I can learn about so that I can make their end better than I have in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I I get very attached to my clients. And so I want to do everything I can to make sure that their end is as peaceful as possible. Now I look back with some regret that I didn't know of some of these things. When my mother-in-law and father-in-law passed, um, this was before I became a doula, and I look back now and this was like five years ago. And I, thought, oh, I wish I had known that we could have done that.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I wish I had known that we could have kept my mother-in-law in the house for up to 72 hours after she passed so that family could come in and say their goodbyes to her in, in her beautiful home.
3: Mm. 72 like hours?
2: Yes. In Illinois, you're allowed to keep a body in the home for 72 hours up to 72 hours wow
3: Without and there are
2: idea. ways oh. there there are ways to keep the body staying staying fresh and we've helped families do that like certain kinds of ice and ice packs and, and that sort of thing because you mm-hmm. don't want the body decomposing while the family is there to-
0: no <laughs> for sure <laughs> no
2: so dry ice and there's special kind of ice that, that doesn't melt that the body mm-hmm. can be laid on and yeah i mean it's you know it can, can be a beautiful thing and the families have been very thankful to be like oh okay well this is so much better than you know the person sure. dies and funeral funeral director comes in zips them up and takes them out it's
1: mm-hmm. it's much more yeah. yeah my mother died just a couple of weeks ago and we were with oh, her, I'm and sorry. we were able to spend like three three hours with her after she died. and before the funeral director came, which we thought was a gift. I had no idea that we could kept her longer. That
2: <laughs> See that's yeah, that's exactly. people don't know. it's and and funeral directors aren't saying that because they're like, all right, you know, this is my job, and I'm gonna you know get going on this. So I'm sorry to hear about your mother.
1: Oh, thank you. thanks. It was what we would call in compassion and choices a peaceful death, a good death. Oh, good! Yeah, (laughs) just what we want, all of us. Can you let's back up a little bit more though, in terms of your become becoming a geriatric care manager. What brought you into the field of geriatrics in the first place? Why would a young woman? Why would a young woman go into that field?
2: I I was I was younger when I started in my field. I always had a passion for working with seniors. After college, I, I worked as a social services in social services at different nursing homes in the city. Then I got my master's degree in human resources development, and I went back into nursing homes and did human resources development and training and hiring. I did a few years in corporate HR, and you know, I, I missed I missed my seniors and got mm-hmm. back into that. And and then I heard about end-of-life doulas um, as I was working with a home care company. No, actually, I I heard about geriatric care managers when I was working with the home care company, hiring caregivers, and the owner of the agency said, you know, you should be a geriatric care manager. Like, okay, the light bulb went off. I'm like, all right, yes, yes, I should. (laughs) So then I went and I got my training for that. Uh Um, So that was in 2007 that I got my training, Uh 2005, And then I started my business in
3: 2007.
2: Oh, yeah, I just always had a passion for working with seniors and making sure that their needs were being met and they were getting what they needed and deserved. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Hmm. um, I was looking at um, for a friend. um, uh, So, how do you find a death doula? So, I went to the national group that you mentioned uh, on their website and there are like in portland oregon there are hundreds or near in in oregon or in minnesota or that seems like is it just an enormous vastly growing profession
2: it is it's very quickly growing and and as the word gets out people are like wow Mm i do i do that already you know i've been helping my friends with their parents that are dying and You know, people have friends that have died, and they were there with them, and they're like, I didn't know that I was a doula. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. And so then as the word gets out, like, wow, this is a profession. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we hear the word doula, we think of midwives. And Yes. uh, Yes. And so is... So I'm wondering, you know, is there any, how how are the two related in any way? How, what, are people both? Are some people both?
2: I am sure some people are both, but the word doula is a Greek term meaning people who serve.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I like to say that birth doulas and end-of-life doulas are two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Just as somebody needs help coming into this world, care and support and education, people need help going out of this world. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we just kind of we're kind of bookends
0: it, to life. Yes, right. It makes sense. A lot of yeah. sense. And and,
2: and I, I feel like dying well should be viewed as a fundamental part of living well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And just as people have the help of a birth doula coming into life. I think it's nice to have a death doula helping somebody mm-hmm. the other end.
3: Yeah. Can
1: so. you give get a um. few more examples? of. I mean, I know you, you provide a wide array of services, but could you just give some examples and give us a, a sense of the different types of services that you provide a family mm-hmm. and a patient's of course. clients?
2: <laughs> Client. um, I'm really passionate about advanced care planning. So generally, when I meet somebody, even as a, as a care manager, I ask them, you know, do you have your advanced directives in place? Do you have your powers of attorney, your living will, a will, um, trust documents, you know, all, all that kind of business mm-hmm. stuff that is going to help your family at the end of life and help you at the end of your life to make sure that you have somebody that's going to advocate for you and make sure your wishes your end of life are followed because if you don't name somebody as your power of attorney for healthcare and share with them what your wishes are, the doctors will tell them what needs to be done and most people will just be like, okay, then that's what I'll do. So I, I love doing advanced care planning and I love to tell my families, make sure that you get your advanced directives in place and make sure you communicate your wishes to the person you have named as your agent and make sure that your documents are accessible because making your advanced directive, advanced care plan and then putting it in your lockbox at the bank isn't gonna help anybody. Mm-hmm. So make sure that's all that's all accessible. Um, I, I suggest interventions for comfort when somebody at the end of life, a friend that I'm working with right now, helping with his mom, told me that she is is very agitated and is being restrained in her bed in the hospital and Mm -hmm. so i you know suggested some things to him to work with the hospital staff about he i i'm not hired as his and his mom's end of life doula but just this kind of knowledge and because people you know you're in a stressful situation and the doctor says we need to do this and you say okay doctor Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not how it actually is. Um, I, I also, an end-of-life doula works with families before, during, and after death. So a lot of times people will call me when they're perfectly healthy and just say, I heard that I should do it, advanced care plans. What is that?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'll talk to people about that. And during, you know, when somebody has gotten a terminal diagnosis, they're, they don't know what to do. So I help them figure out, you know, what matters to me? And, and I have a, a document that I go through with them. You know, Is it important to you to leave um, money to your family? You know, do you want to be at home? Do you want to be in the hospital? Some people want to be in the hospital because they don't want that stress on their families. Most people would prefer to be at home. I believe it's 80% of people would prefer to be at home, but mm-hmm. the majority of people are in the hospital.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And people don't know that, that you don't have to stay in the hospital if you get ill in the hospital. You can be brought home with
3: care, mm-hmm. you know,
2: with hospice care. Or with um, and Then what I'll do, because often it's too hard for family to take care of somebody at home on their own if they're quite ill. So I'll help them set up caregiver services, non-medical caregivers to just be there mm-hmm. to help the family. Mm-hmm. And if they are on hospice, then got the CNAs too coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, I I help make plans for body disposition. What do you want done with your body when you're gone?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you want to be cremated, traditional full body burial, water cremation? Um, there's and in, in Illinois, we do not have human composting, but that's being talked about now. But you know, water cremation is a fairly new thing. And if somebody feels strongly about protecting the environment, you know, that might be a route they wanna go.
1: Can you uh, and then, tell us more about that, about water cremation?
3: Yeah.
2: Yes, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. I visited one of the, there's a few different water cremation places in Illinois. I visited one in Arlington Heights and it's a big stainless steel cylinder. The body is put on a a plate in the middle and then warm alkaline water is, is poured down over the body and the body is gently jostled for four to six hours. And then it's just foam. And then the bone it can be crushed, and the, the family gets the cremains back that way. And I don't know if either of you have seen like fire cremation ashes;
3: mm-hmm.
2: they're like gray. And mm-hmm. um, water cremation ashes are white.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And wait, wait one sec. <laughs> this this stone is made from um, the bones of somebody that was cremated by water. Really? And yeah, and the families can get this. They can get, you know, and it's not, you know, they get like a bunch of them or a big one. And, you know, it's just, you know, some people like this that they can, you know, it's more mm-hmm. tactile than, mm-hmm. than ashes. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. <laughs> so
2: it, it is like an interesting option. Yes, it is. and. It's, yeah, it's it's a little bit, a couple hundred more dollars expensive than fire cremation. It depends on what somebody, what's important to someone.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But mm-hmm. then you've got the cremains, and then what are you going to do with them? You know, everybody has like, well, you know, you're going to get the cremains back, and then they're going to sit on the mantle. You know, there are a lot of things now that can be done with cremains, Um a friend of mine, another end-of-life doula in Oak Park, found a place that makes urns, that the ashes can go in the bottom of the urn, and then the top part of the urn can be a vase. You could put flowers in the vase, mm-hmm. or you could put a candle there. So then it's more more interactive.
3: Very mm.
2: helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, ashes can be scattered wherever, but it's not really healthy for your garden to spray just cremains in the garden so there are things that you can put in the cremains so that they do like help your garden too
0: mm-hmm. just, yeah, huh. yeah. Fascinating. That's an
1: interesting thing. so you work <laughs> you work with hospice with hospital with funeral directors do you find that they are for the most part um, collaborative cooperative collaborative with you or do you have, are there certain barriers you need to work, work against? You
2: know, I have found that the hospices have been very open to working with me, maybe because I refer my people to hospice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm a referral source, so they, they're open to working with me, mm-hmm. but generally they, do, they don't know still about end of life doulas. And I've given a couple talks, you know, how we can work together and the,
3: um,
2: the, um, like the national hospice association, they put out a thing on their website, like how end of life doulas can work with hospice and how it makes it a better end of life experience for the patient. And then in turn, it's good for the hospice because then they, speak well about the end-of-life experience Mm -hmm. to their friends Mm -hmm. so (laughs) yeah mostly they don't know about end-of-life doulas and when they hear about me then they're like oh can I do that (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um, unfortunately end-of-life doulas are not paid for by medicare so it's Mm -hmm. all an out-of-pocket expense Mm. Hospice is one hundred percent covered by Medicare. And so it's a beautiful benefit. You get the people coming in and out, and you also get a lot of supplies, mm-hmm. hospital beds, you know, just mm-hmm. everything that you need. so it's it's great for me to work together with a hospice company,
3: sure.
1: And just how do you do you have set rates? Do you negotiate with each family?
2: I have my set rates, but if a family is not able to pay, I'm not going to turn somebody away. And a lot of what I can do, I can do on the phone. Usually my my referrals come through friends or family. And somebody will just call me and say, hey, you know what, my mom, uh, this friend of mine who's, whose mom is actually having some trouble right now, he's, she's in the hospital, he called me and he's like, I, you know, I, I think you do this and told me what was going on. So I've just been talking to him on the phone and texting with him and emailing him just ideas and suggestions. And I, I would never charge family for that. So mm. you could, you know, people call. And I'm in my car a lot for work. So mm. I've got a lot of time to talk on the phone.
0: No.
1: <laughs> I think it's interesting yeah. that you you mentioned that that um, some that you prefer to talk with people, you know, before, before they're really in this, the the real, the actively dying, uh, the advanced pl- uh, care planning. But also, um, so it, I think the kind of the question that might, that I would have and others might have too is, well, when's a good time to connect with a doula? I mean, I suppose any time is a good time, but what would be the most preferable?
2: I would say, I would say it's never too early to get your advanced directives in place. Um, contacting an end of life doula it's like when you get a terminal diagnosis or you know maybe you have a lot of family issues and health issues, and you just want to be sure that your wishes are documented and known. Um, but like before before somebody gets sick, I tell them you know make sure that you have your your wishes in place and that you tell your power of attorney for healthcare that you have named them as your agent
3: mm-hmm. because
2: you don't have to and i personally have twice been told that i was some named as somebody's power of attorney for healthcare and i didn't know mm. and so that's that's a really important thing and I, you know i i said of course you know i'm i'm honored to do this but I need to know what your wishes are Yes, because if I don't know, I, I can't advocate for you if I don't know what you want. Um, and I've had people call me and say, you know, I just found out that I am my aunt's power of attorney for healthcare. I only see her at Thanksgiving and Christmas every few years. I have no idea what she wants. So it's really important to share your wishes with the person that you have named to follow those wishes mm-hmm. and and I also like to tell people that you know make sure that your passwords are someplace that they can be found because
3: and, and yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: that can cause a lot of problems um, I had a call this was a couple years ago a woman found me online her brother had brain cancer and they didn't know what to do. And I went in, I sat with him and I said, You know, do you have your, you know, all your documents in place? Do you have a will? And he said, Oh, yes, I, I have a will. I'm like, All right, well, let's take a look at it. I'm reading his will with him and I see the name of somebody that I hadn't heard from any of the other family members. Like, oh, gosh, you know, who, who is this? Oh, that's my ex wife. Mm-hmm. Oh how how nice did you you want to leave everything to your ex-wife well no i just didn't update my will Mm
3: -hmm.
2: so this this was like mid mid COVID where things were locked down but we were able to get uh, an attorney that could virtually help us get the documents signed Mm -hmm. and i'm a notary so we could do it all like Mm -hmm. virtually and i was with this guy Mm
3: -hmm.
2: so we (laughs) were able to Get her off the wheel. She did get his old Junker car. That
1: was it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was thinking that you were, you were, um, you became certified in 2020. So we were in the midst of a pandemic, or at the beginning of a pandemic. Right, right. Oh.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But you yes. were, found a way to do this by phone, and and uh, how did you manage? Right, that? And, and
2: and just going, just lots of masks and being careful. Yeah, you know, a lot of it is just being being comfortable going into places mm-hmm. with, with masks and getting COVID tests a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I have a was. question, uh, Julie. The, the end of life, the uh, power of attorney forms do not have a place to write down what all your wishes are. So what do you suggest people do? Where do they keep this information? And how do they, you know, what what do they need to do about that?
2: Um, there are a number of different places you can, you can go to get your advanced directive forms. I personally love the Compassion and Choices
0: mm-hmm. End of
2: Life Toolkit. Yes. Because it goes very detailed into what you want. I was actually just looking earlier today at my... My Dementia Provision, which is an advanced directive addendum, mm-hmm. and, and that's all part of the Compassion Choices End-of-Life Toolkit,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: you can do it online and, and print it out, keep a copy for yourself. You can order a booklet, and they will send it to you free. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other, Cake.com is a kind of an end-of-life website,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they have Documents that you can use. You could even write it down yourself. It doesn't have to be an official form or document. You can write out what your wishes are. Make sure you have it witnessed. So, so these are. It's not like a legal form, but just Mm -hmm. make sure it's documented someplace, Mm
3: -hmm. and that
2: your POA knows where it is, so they can take it to the hospital and say, you know, no, she said specifically that she did not want this. Mm-hmm. she got pneumonia. She didn't want to get antibiotics to, you know, mm-hmm. to stop this. this. I don't know if you guys know, but um, pneumonia is is known as the the, the old the old person's friend um, because dying from pneumonia or sepsis is a peaceful way to die, from all reports. Mm-hmm. Um, and doctors tend to overprescribe antibiotics to keep people alive. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not it's not always in the wishes of the the person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so important to have everything written down. So there's a there's a wrongful wrongful life lawsuits if a doctor keeps somebody alive when they have specifically written documentation, or the family has specifically written documentation mm-hmm. saying that mm-hmm. if this. Situation gets to be, you know, if there's no hope that I'm going to get better, let me go. And the doctor keeps giving them antibiotics or puts in a feeding tube.
3: Mm-hmm. They can
2: be sued. Wrongful death loss. Wrongful life loss. I
1: didn't know um, that. That's interesting.
2: Yes. Yes. It's, yeah. Because, you know, this a friend of mine that I was working with earlier, the doctor wanted to put a feeding tube in his 88 year old mother with severe dementia who has stopped eating and doesn't, you know, she's in restraints in the hospital and he's like, he's like, they're going to put a feeding tube. No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) But you have to be able to say no. Yes.
2: Yes. yes. You have to, you have to be very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. And you don't have to be comfortable doing it. You have to just, you know, be, just tell the doctor. No, mm-hmm. she would not want this. I know mm-hmm. she would not want this. It says right here, because mm-hmm. you know they're going to just keep doing what they do, and not that they are evil. They're just this is what doctors do. They cure people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I like what you say on your your website, Aging with Care website. Mm -hmm. I like a lot of things you say on there, but you say individuals should be allowed to maintain their self-esteem, independence, and choices through the challenges of aging and dying. And it seems to me that's just a marvelous, humane service that you and other death doulas provide.
2: I I think it's so important. And you both probably know of Atul Gawande, who Mm -hmm. wrote the book, Being Mortal. And mm-hmm. Atul Gawande said, "Life has meaning because it's a story, and in stories, endings matter."
0: Mm. I like that. <laughs> and every
2: every every time, every time I say that, I, I get choked up because it's so true. And and mm. we should be able to write the ending to our own stories. And yeah. I'm I'm very oh, that- very passionate about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's important that people know that they have choices and options,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and
1: that's a beautiful way to, all... to end our conversation.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> well, options. Thank, yes, thank you so options.
2: much,
0: Julie.
2: Yes, well, My pleasure. Nice to see you, and nice to meet you, Gail.
0: Yes, thank you so much, Julie. I've learned a lot today. I really have. <laughs> So thank you. So and glad. listeners, thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. And this is a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play and on YouTube. So support Women Over 70 and let your voice be heard. Help us change the conversation about women aging.